said someday you'll find all who love are blind oh, when your heart's on fire you must be alive smoke gets Banning the globe, blowing smoke, banning the Bible, and metric grading in schools. All this and more on the April 15, 2000 edition of the Anderson Observer Podcast News from People You Trust. As always, the Anderson Observer Podcast News from People You Trust is made possible by Sullivan's at Brookstone and Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill. Sullivan's at Brookstone is Anderson's newest best spot for lunch and dinner, Thursday through Friday, and lunch on Wednesdays through Sunday. That's right, Sunday lunch at Sullivan's at Brookstone. You can check them out on Facebook at Sullivan's at Brookstone or at Sullivan'sBrookstone.com. Or if you want to check out the mothership, check out Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill on Facebook. The place that uh, Bill Nickus and his wife Sabre came and helped begin the renaissance of downtown Anderson. Famous all over the country. People come from all over the place to hear. Voted one of the two best restaurants in the state. So if you haven't been to Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill lately, check them out. It has been another great week in Anderson. And if you've not paid your taxes, I hope you file for an extension because it is today. And if you went outside yesterday on Thursday in the afternoon or evening, you probably wondered what was on fire. There were a lot of sirens. Uh, people were calling around. Uh, there were rumors of a big fire. And almost all of Anderson County was blanketed with a layer of smoke, leaving most of us wondering what had happened. Uh, Anderson County dispatch was flooded with calls. And in parts of Greenville and Spartanburg counties, the smoke was so thick that it created hazards on I-85. Uh, of course, the downtown block party, it looked like they had smoke machines for the concerts. At least that worked out for them. Well, where was the fire? Well, it was in Union County. Yeah, that's right. Roughly 70 miles away. A controlled burn of 2,600 acres by the U.S. Forest Service uh, met an inverted weather system, and it trapped all that smoke and spread it across the ground level over most of the upstate. So by the wee hours of Friday morning, most of it had gone as the, the temperatures dropped and the windy conditions by dawn had blown most of it all of it away. That's a good thing because they, they did another burn on Friday and we would have even more smoke. But I'm thinking maybe we should have had the U.S. Forest Service do a controlled burn downtown to demolish the Bales Woolworth building, which is still standing behind the historic courthouse downtown. That building, which was set for demolition beginning February 22nd, is still there. I have suggested in the past weeks on the podcast that there were ghosts keeping the workmen at bay. And it looks like I was closer to the truth. Maybe the ghost of old Marley himself uh, is keeping them out because they are slowed it all, they've slowed it all down to spend two and a half months salvaging every unra- unwarped board or straight nail or, or sconce, anything they could use before beginning their real job of knocking those buildings down. Uh, they are salvage folks. We should have known that when we hired them. But right now, it looks like Monday may be the actual day of destruction, for the Woolworth building at least, when it'll be pushed inward to collapse against the old Bales building. This is not going to be one of those uh, giant wrecking ball things. They've got a plan. No, no explosions, none of that kind of stuff. They've got most of all, every ceiling, ceiling tile is even taken out, so there won't be any dust. That, that, well, it won't be the dust there could have been if they hadn't done all that. Uh, and following that, later in the week, the plan is to use that giant claw on a crane to take the skeleton of the Bales, Bales building apart piece by piece. Once that is done, a large wooden fence will be placed around the lot, and local school students will paint murals on those boards of the visions of what they'd like to see on that site. Now, I've been asked uh, by several people. In fact, somebody cornered me today and was asking me what, what was going on that site. Well, right now, no official decision has been made to date, but the goal is a public-private partnership with retail and the county sharing the new building, whatever is constructed. 
I hope the ground level will remain devoted to retail to draw more folks downtown. Uh, I know Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns has said he'd like to see an observation deck on top of the new building, and I think that'd be really cool as well to get a 360 view of Anderson. Uh, no matter what else is included, that would be a nice touch. Uh, if you want to have a say in what you think should happen, you can call your county council representative and share your ideas. This is going to be a huge decision, and it could help drive the future of downtown Anderson. And I'm hoping retail on the bottom floor will, will be at least at the top of the list on those discussions because we don't need a lot of offices on the ground floor when we could bring in more businesses downtown. Uh, one proposal did, however, include uh, moving Anderson County's Department of Economic Development's offices into that new space somewhere. Plenty of room upstairs. You could have a, a welcome center up there somewhere. Over the past six years, that department has brought in thousands of new jobs and helped Anderson County become the top spot in the state for international companies to invest in. And Anderson County now has 50 international companies from 23 different countries, which is a real bragging point for our home county. And the director of that department, Burris Nelson, and his staff working with Administrator Rusty Burns, who's been involved in economic development in Anderson County long before he's an administrator, probably more than 30 years, and, of course, counsel themselves. They've helped bring these good jobs and good, clean industry to Anderson. A lot of it is international. And I talked to Burris and his staff this week. We were 14% unemployment. That's in 2010? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we had over 12,000 people out of work. We had... Uh, people were calling here. I mean, they were. I'm gonna lose my house. Uh, I'm losing my car and my kids in college. Um, and um, I, 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 I was to afford to keep them in college. Those kinds of things. I was pretty depressing. And the first quality came along with an announcement of a billion dollars and a thousand jobs, and it, and it changed the um, uh, spiritual dynamic of the community. I mean, it was. It was. Um, uh, uplifting and encouraging for all of us. County. And it was in a part of the county that really needed some investment. And, and county council, right, and, and supported, but, but you're right. It was in a uh, highly, um, it, the, the unemployment rate in that area was really higher than the 14%. Right. And um, so, it, but it, it brought a, uh, a light into the, the Anderson County community um, and it changed the whole dynamic of economic development for us. I mean, we started being viewed or, and seen as a place to do business uh, again. And um, we, uh, and that was all through the support of county council and, and a lot of things and Rusty's leadership, leadership and guidance. And, um, you know, and, and God was good to us. We got a lot of good projects that came to us that uh, were easy to make the decision to try to recruit. Um, and, you know, we'd have uh, 2010 was a big announcement year. And then, Before we get past the first quality, they've exceeded what they promised. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah, they're, they're already um, a billion, 50 million, and should hit their 600 jobs sometime into the summer. Um, and are, we'll be moving. They say they've got 10 years, really, from 2011 to get the billion dollars, thousands, excuse me, thousand jobs on site. So that really pushes them to 2021 uh, to uh, meet all of that. Um, so uh, they're already at a billion, 50 million, more or less, uh, 600 jobs sometime this summer and maybe close to that now. Um, and so and, and there's still another tissue line for them to get up and running. They've got um, lines three, four, and five in their corporate numbers. Uh, it's really here, the one, two, and three here. Um, and line four, they 
they've already built the building for it, um, and there is a plan for it to be installed. They just haven't announced uh, it it being installed and, and, uh, and constructed, and those jobs coming online. So um, we're we're hoping that this year's the year. It may be actually next year. Depends on what their um, uh, sales are and how the market demands what market demands there are out there. We we had a pretty good year 2010. Obviously, we exceeded a billion dollars. Then 2011, we're somewhere around 300 million. Uh, then 2012, um, we had the BM, the Michelin announcements um, and had another billion dollar year, near billion dollar year. Um, and, and it runs in cycles. Economic development, you will get a hundred requests for information, and maybe two will wind up announcing. Right. So you now, have to when you say a billion dollars, explain how that what that billion dollars means, because a lot of people get confused when they hear. So we had a billion, you know, we had a billion dollar a year. That means. Well, the it, it's uh, it's really a benchmark for the big counties. Right. You know, I mean, it. it what, what is that? What is that billion dollars? I mean, is it like that's their investment in the total total capital investment? Gotcha. Of building land and equipment. Gotcha. Um, and and it depends on the structure of the company whether it's predominantly building in um, the uh, capital investment or if it's predominantly. Uh, equipment. Normally, it's about 20-25% of building and land cost. The rest is uh, equipment that you know, makes up 80-75-80%, but sometimes it's 50-50, or sometimes the building is so process-oriented that a lot of what would be considered equipment is really part of the building. Um, the, and and the, the part of that you look at is uh, the building and land depreciates very slowly. It, it depreciates, but it's very slow. Uh, the equipment uh, depreciates at 11% a year um, until it reaches 10% of its original value, which usually, ha which would, you know, mathematically happen in year six. It'd be the after year six, it's down to 10% of its original value, and it's taxed at that amount, that value amount, uh, until it's replaced or there's a something else comes along. Uh, and they change dynamics in the plant, uh, manufacturing dynamics in the plant. Um, and most of the time when that occurs, we usually do another fee agreement with the company. We've got several companies that we have several fees with, Bosch, Michelin, uh, because of their expansion growth, capital investment, how they operate, and those kinds of things. Um, so, uh, but we look at those years, Ben, it, it's been more or less cyclic, big year, medium year, big year, medium year, ever since 2010. Um, the economy traditionally in the U.S. and really around the world uh, rolls in seven-year cycles, more or less. Sometimes it's six, sometimes it's eight, sometimes it's nine years, but there's a slowdown. And so if 2008, 9, 10 were slowdown years for really disastrous, uh, almost uh, uh, recession years, um, then uh, we're due for another slowdown. And it appears uh, from all the things you read in the paper and you hear on the news uh, that we're heading into a slowdown um, maybe over the next 24 to 36 months. But um, anyhow, we have seen a lot of, product act, uh, of, of uh, project activity, a lot of requests for information. Um, just the last couple of weeks have been slow, uh, but we've 
we're up and running and a lot of things happening, a lot of existing industries, several of existing industries are talking about expansions. Um, so we're, we're moving forward. How, how is um, international investment changing? I mean, it seems like we're becoming more and more a place for international companies. I mean, my understanding, I think we've, we've talked about this before, there's like 50 companies from 23 countries in Anderson County, is that? Right. And, well, the state of South Carolina has been very fortunate. In, um, in yeah, but we're sort of leading everybody in terms of that, right? It, it more getting, flags than any other. Getting uh, uh, international investment. And uh, I don't want to talk about that. The other counties might get jealous and try to outdo us. <laughs> but 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 we've been we've been fortunate. We we've uh, got a lot of capital investment, uh, foreign direct capital investment, that um, is uh, probably makes up forty percent of our labor force, maybe in, in manufacturing. And uh, obviously, the the spinoff of uh, a ripple effect of a manufacturing job creates jobs on the outside. About one and a quarter, one and a half jobs for every manufacturing job is created for grocery stores and uh, barber shops and uh, attorneys and doctors and nurses. All those things that are out there on the service sector um, that that really supply all the needs of the community um, in, in whatever commodities that they might want to buy: cars, boats, whatever, houses. Um, all of those things um, uh, spin off from that original dollar in manufacturing. What, what are some of the factors that, that make us a good choice for these places? Because, like, so we are, I mean, they're already, everybody's already competing with us. You know that. I mean, you. Well, we, we're fortunate that, first, that we have I-85. Um, it, it is a major uh, transportation corridor, and, and shipping and trucking um, is uh, critical to manufacturing, obviously. And the, the interstate uh, network uh, connections that we have with I-85, north and south, east and west, um, are uh pretty strategic for a lot of companies. And, and because of the, the crossroads uh, of um, I-85 and I-26, in uh, Anderson County's strategic position being exactly halfway between Charlotte and Atlanta and the, and the access to those airports for manufacturing um, make us attractive. Um, we've been, with limited resources, pretty resourceful in how we've supplied sewer capacity to almost all of our um, uh, interchanges along the interstate. So um, we only have three interchanges that don't have sewer. Uh, of some, some, some locations are minimal, but of the eight interchanges, I think five of them do have sewer. And um, so that having sewer at those interchanges and having strategic, strategically placed sewer capacity in lines has been uh, critically important for us and how we recruit. Um, because we've been able to supply um, not immense amount of sewer capacity, but reasonable reasonable amounts of sewer capacity for manufacturing. What about things like quality of life and cost of living and things like that? What roles well, do those? Well, those are factors, but those are uh, those are kind of bottom. Uh, if there's ten factors, they start out being seven, six, five, you know, or in the middle most of the time, but. So they decide they like this place, then they start looking at those factors. It's a business decision first, right? Um, you know, we we've got a critical need to be here, and then there's but there's 50 communities around here they can choose from. Right. So you know, you, if somebody's critical manufacturing need is to be in this area, 
a 50 mile radius is just as good for them as you know a, a one location so um, you know they they can pick something out within 50 even 100 miles sometimes of Anderson and it is just as suitable for their manufacturing need but then they, they do look at the trailing family needs you know you're going to have plant managers and employees that um, and, and supervisors and employees that have children that and, and spouses that need employment in the area or they need education you know there's 258 colleges and universities within a four-hour drive from here and I mean there's some major universities I mean you talk about um, the, the medical university in, in Charleston and University of South Carolina, obviously Clemson is very close. Anderson University, very close. Uh, but, but, you know, that circle includes um, uh, University of Tennessee, um, Vanderbilt, um, uh, University of Georgia, Georgia Tech. Um, it's getting a stretch to get up to Duke and, and North Carolina and get up there. They're, they're kind of at the five-hour mark. But, but, you know, still reasonable driving distances. Um, to uh, for trailing family that 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 child or that parent can see each other within a reasonable drive time on a weekend if they need to or want to, so those are those are good things that they look at. And then you know we're our cost of living we're about anywhere from ten to twelve percent lower than the national average um, across the, the all of the, the the median cost of living for the United States. We're about twelve thirteen percent under that. Um, so obviously, great. Uh, the cost of living here is is um, exceptional. Um, there are only a few places on the planet uh, or in the U.S. that are substantially lower than us. I'm getting on down to uh, about 82 percent, and they're um, in West Texas, where uh, the uh, population's very sparse, and there's uh, you know. Uh, cost of living out there is dependent on what you can actually grow on the farm. Mm -hmm. How about that Hartwell Lake? Is Hartwell Lake an important? Har Hartwell is an attractor, um, it, it, and it plays a part um, because of uh, the recreational activities and those kinds of things. But but for us to have four seasons and to be a couple hours from the mountains and three or four or five hours to the beach, and then Lake Hartwell um, provides um, <coughs> just that additional um, recreational opportunity. It's easy to get to on the weekends and for a lot of people they can actually live on the lake and still work right here in town and uh, uh, have a, that, that quality of life that if they desire to be on the lake. Uh, but, but all of those things though, those are all those factors of being near the mountains, near the beach, having four seasons and having really good weather patterns here. We're, we're fortunate because of how we sit on the end of the Appalachian chain and the way the jet stream flows across the U.S., we rarely have big hurricane end events that, that are very damaging. Most of the time we have a lot of rain out of anything that hits the Gulf Coast. Anything that hits Florida usually does not come our direction at all. And the stuff hits the, if a, if a storm hits the coast of Georgia or South Carolina, and I, I'm guessing, I'm not a meteorologist, meteorologist, but I'm guessing because the jet stream and the way the Appalachian chain tails out here, that the weather's pushed either east or west of us. We don't get it. And it's the same thing with, with tornado activity here. We, we have, you know, some um, on the... Fujita scale, what is that? Is F one, F two. Yeah, well, we have we'll have a F zero, F one, um, F two here, 
um, from time to time. F2 is pretty rare. And, it's, and I think it's because of our geographic location. I mean, it, we don't have the open plains that they have out where they have those F5s out in Oklahoma and Nebraska and those kinds of things that are so destructive. Um, and um, I, I think this is, uh, I think it's the best place on earth uh, for those kinds of things. Okay, that, we were talking about the potential, the cycles of uh, economic development, and we may be heading into one. Is that one of the reasons that the industrial park's so critical to get that up in Make that available? Well, we're pretty fortunate in that, first, the park is critical, uh, and a spec building seems to be more and more critical every day um, it, because companies are on such a fast time frame from their decision to be in a, uh, producing something to having that product in the market. It, it, that's, that timeline is shrinking. It used to be, you know, you, they'd think two or three, sometimes four years, um, out in that process, and, and now they're down to 10 and 12 months, and it's really, uh, for them to hit that kind of mark, they've got to have a site either ready for, uh, for construction immediately right. or an existing building. TTI's a good example of what it, you're talking about there, how fast they it, yes. hit the ground. It, yeah, well, and they had to. I mean, they, they announced and, you know, uh, have to be in operation full operation on July 1, and really to be uh, more or less operational June 1 so they can be fully operational July 1. And so we think we're going to get there without any kind of problems mm -hmm. or delays. That that looks good. Um, but uh, McLaughlin is a good example of that. We had an existing building. They needed to be up and running supplying parts for Caterpillar within 10 months. And um, the building worked out very well for them. They went right to it and went in there. and. And, and then obviously we've lost a couple of projects where we didn't have a pad ready or site or a building ready for a manufacturing operation. And um, so, you know, we've, we understand our need. Um, surrounding counties um, are supplying uh, spec buildings. A lot of them are under construction and are being taken while under construction and, and being used. And, and, and our effort here uh, to start a spec building was where Wexler sits today. We were within weeks of starting to grade the pad for that manufacturing, uh, our spec building there. That manufacturing operation came along and said, no, we'll, we'll just take over where you are right here. They took a little bit of our design information and, of course, the, uh, all the environmental things that we had done on the site already, which plugged into what they needed, and uh, which helped them slice about six, eight weeks off of their process. And... Uh, went right to work. Um, so, and they'll be manufacturing parts here. They're, they've poured floors, all the walls up, wiring's in, uh, equipment's starting to arrive, and they've got to be producing parts by October. Mm -hmm. And so I, and they feel like they're going to meet their schedule. Well, I know one of our, at least it's in the current planning stages, is to have uh, Tri-County Tech Campus on site uh, for training at the industrial park. Well, if, if that, certainly that's a, a... It's a goal. I mean, I've heard it mentioned so many times. A good, a good, that, that would be a really good thing for us to be able to offer, and, and we've invited Tech. I don't know that Tech's board has had, really even had a chance to have that discussion, and right. it's maybe a little premature for us to be talking about that. Well, I think uh, even at the Economic Development Breakfast, they were it was being discussed, not not in ink, but in, in, in verbally it was... Right, right. And, and you know, that, that has been a conversation. Um, the... Um, uh, but for the 
What's the name of the thing across the street, the Tri-County Tech thing across the street? The ITC. The ITC across the street where they'll have all the welding and soon all the machine tool technology program will be housed in that facility. And that is a great selling point, especially for manufacturing. And, but Tri-County Tech in itself was only about another five minutes up the road is another great selling point, being, being very close, as well as Clemson University and the Advanced Materials Center. Um, that park out on Wild Hog uh, Road, the Highway 187, um, is... Um, He's a local, you can tell. <laughs> we all know where Wild Hog Road is. The, uh, but uh, the, the, the park itself has... Uh, well, first, there's two of the, uh, this country's most powerful scanning electron microscopes uh, located in that facility out there. And it's very helpful to manufacturing if they have a problem in manufacturing that is concerned something at the molecular level, they can actually take a look at it out there. And, and the university has set up um, that operation out there so that they can maintain the pri uh, the, uh, uh, the confidentialities and the uh, um, intellectual property uh, concerns that a company might have about their product being seen. So the, the uh, the universities worked it out so that grad students can go out there. They'll help the company make the shavings. Uh, they'll place those shavings on the uh, electron microscope, then turn the lock the doors, walk out, lock the doors, and turn the computers over to the company's scientists that may be in Germany or China or someplace way away from here mm -hmm. or somewhere someplace close by. It's, it'll all work there, and they certainly want to. Uh, recognize the, the confidentialities of the company's need for products. So the location is really, I mean, it's just a huge, we've got just about the perfect location for the kind of stuff we're talking about. Now, how many, I mean, I guess it depends on who's interested, but how much business can actually locate on the old Rogers farm? I mean, that old... The, well, it, there's about 145 usable acres. Uh, that takes out, there's two ponds on the side. Yeah, I walked two, the other day. Two, two big transmission lines across the backside. Yep. Now, you can have parking and storage, temporary storage on, in, within the right-of-ways of the power lines, but you can't build anything permanent under there. So, um, you know, that for buildings, that's, that part is lost. Well, they serve, sort of serve a natural barrier to where the ponds are, too. I mean, they kind of, well, they're right there, and then there's a pond, so you, when you're looking at it, you sort of know. Create, and it creates great opportunity for walking trails and bike trails on the, right. in the park and those kinds of things, which are great amenities, especially for companies that are hiring these young millennials that are coming out of school now and that are, right. you know, have, have consideration for that kind of amenity where they work. So, Which is all of them, pretty much, at this yeah. point. Yes. So um, the... Um, uh, we could put uh, maybe five or six, fifty to hundred thousand square foot buildings there, or two or three, three hundred to five hundred thousand square foot buildings there. Uh, it, it is not big enough to hold a standard distribution million square foot facility. It's just we've we tried it several times and it just doesn't work. And um, we've, we've squeezed every way we've squeezed, and it's just not big enough. Uh, because of the shape of the, of the land itself and uh, those kinds of things. But anyway, uh, you know, I see that we'll, what I foresee is having four or five, maybe six, 50 to 100,000 square foot operations out there, uh, maybe a 200,000 square foot at some time. Uh, but but uh, 
four, five, six, maybe seven industries uh, that will come out of that with anywhere from 200 to 500 jobs per location. It just depends on the companies. But, but manufacturing is changing, though. I mean, it is uh, becoming highly automated. Um, it takes fewer employees. Um, and uh, it's, uh, but the other half of that is, is uh, the pay scales are much higher. So one of the reasons why Anderson County's pay scale has gone from 2009, and, and we were in the mid $14 an hour range, to $17.11 for this past year is our average in 2015. Uh, the, uh, I lost my train of thought there when we were talking about the pay scale. Uh, I guess there's some advantages to having, you know, five or six 200s rather than having one. I mean, because one big company coming in could something could happen or something could change and well it, it's, it's great to have the big companies and, and yeah. you know the, the huge capital investments but you know but when when the giants fall you know there's a, a bigger impact than there is when you know smaller company fall we, we don't anticipate any of them failing right um, we, we do a great job Terry uh, Gilstrap is just an energy manager existing <coughs> industries manager um, works with the companies every day. She helps them with um, any of the issues that they have. Um, we we think we probably do a better job of taking care of our existing industries than any county in this state and maybe in the U.S. We, we work very hard at uh, collaboration and understanding the needs and, and trying to help the company work through those needs so that they can continue to grow and do the things they want to, whatever advancement in manufacturing they need to make, they can make that jump and we'll help them get there. What kind of interest are you already getting in the park? I mean, are there people really, really like telling you, hey, we're ready to consider it? Or Well, we're already showing it as uh, an opportunity using right. the, the um, um, draft of the uh, plan that we had, um, a master plan that uh, we had drawn up, mm -hmm. and using that as a dynamic for a sales process. But anyway, we, you know, we've still got work to do. I mean, we need to get an entry in there. We've got to get the sewer line pulled down from the corner down into where the center of the plant is along um, Clemson Boulevard and then up into the plant, I mean, up into the park, um, and uh, then start working on grading some sites out and doing those kinds of things. My understanding, though, that's going to be done sooner rather than later. I mean, that's, Oh, yeah. yeah. We've got to close. We've got a few little, there were a few little things on the, uh, within the, property documents and those kinds of things that we didn't anticipate we're, we're having to iron out. And that's just legal stuff, mm. you know, it's being ironed out. And um, we're moving forward rapidly to close on that. As soon as we close, then we can start the construction process. Actually, we have permission excuse me, from the owners to begin some of that, uh, the current owners, um, so that um, as soon as we uh, get through these little legal logistics, we'll even out having without having to go to close, we're going to start construction on a number of things. Well, looking five years out, ten years out, is this going to be like the, one of the methods just to look for other sites for industrial parks or just going to be one more thing you use? We, to we're going to need it. My guess is is that this park will fill up in 10 to 15 years, um, maybe 20. But we need to look for another park and another park and another park and re rethink some of the, de the things that we consider in economic development um, about how we're going to grow 
manufacturing and jobs in this county and, and how to make um, make this community better if we possibly can. Well, what kind of things, I know, you know, First Quality obviously sort of broke ground on it, but what, what kind of challenges are there in getting people to locate in the southern end? Because most everybody wants to be up interstate north, and it seems like everybody's moving up. Well, um, one, if we can get them to visit here, if we can get them to come here, and, um, you know, they, they see that uh, we're not as backward and rural as um, some comedians might want to make you think it is. Um, and some in, counties actually are. <laughs> in, in, in this world. But, but, you know, the upstate of South Carolina is pretty progressive. I mean, you, you know, you come to downtown Anderson, you come to downtown Greenville, downtown Spartanburg, um, you know, those communities, um, all three of them show first, show very well and are as nice as any 15 or 20 blocks of any big city anywhere. And uh, once they get here and see that they can have the amenities, and, and if they need to go to the big town of Charlotte to shop or the big town of Atlanta to shop, it's a two-hour drive. It's an easy day trip. And, um, you know, it, it is, uh, they don't have to have or put up with the constant battle of traffic and the constant battle of extreme growth and explosive growth that, that are around Charlotte and Atlanta. I mean, you know, we're, uh, we might appear to be a sleepy community, but we're a vibrant uh, community that has lots to offer. And one of those things is you don't have to wait 10 times for a traffic, 10 traffic light changes to move one block. You, you can get from place to place without a lot of trouble, which is um, a really important thing for, for most folks that happen to go to work every day. I ran into a guy, I just was talking to him in a parking lot somewhere, and he, he had a kayak on. He was obviously German. He was worshiping. He was talking about that was why he asked to be sent here, because the, you know, the recreational activities, the park, the, the traffic wasn't bad. He could get where he wanted to go. I don't know if you get those kind of comments much from your international folks. What kind of things impress them when you're just showing beyond the business part? I don't know what kind of. Well, the first thing is, is that they're, International folks were amazed at the distances because, you know, they Anderson County is 750 square miles, and uh, we'll plan a site tour, and we'll have 15 or 20 minutes between going one site to the next site, and they're astonished because these things are so compact in Europe and in Japan and and other places that um, you know those distances don't seem reasonable for uh, the drive time. But it's because you know we we are generally sparsely populated. Yeah, wide open spaces, a lot yeah, of it still. Yeah, yeah, still a lot of wide open spaces, and that is very attractive to these folks. I mean, they they are used to being crammed in on one site, and we we tell them all the time they'll they'll have a hundred thousand square foot building and they're trying to wedge it in on five acres, and we have to tell them that listen, <laughs> you know, you need more room first. And the second thing is, is, you know, you, you may want to expand and you're not going to have a place to expand to. And, uh, you know, you take a hard look at that. And most of the time they wind up with at least a 15 or 20 acre site. And uh, it, it, it makes it workable for them that way. What, uh, what other, I mean, people think about economic development. Uh, your office is sort of the, the, the front man of all this. What other groups do you all work with for, like, for economic development here? I mean... I know there's a number of it's a lot of cooperative effort to do this. It's well, not first we we have to 
have support and effort from every department in the county. I mean, between uh, roads and bridges and sewer and wastewater, um, stormwater management, uh, uh, the uh, Development Standards Office, uh, building and codes. I mean, we we pull all the county players together for a if a company's coming for a second visit and they're thinking about construction, we ask all the permitting agencies to come and sit down with them and go through that. And then beyond that, we have all the allies in the utilities, uh, all the water companies, um, all of the electrical companies. It depends on which one is, has service in that particular area. Uh, natural gas, same way. Um, and um, but then the resources of, um, uh, of the Upstate Alliance, um, Innovate is a, a Innovate Anderson is a uh, supporter, um, obviously, and, and a partner in a lot of things that we do. Uh, but then the South Carolina Department of Commerce um, is a great player. Duke, Duke Energy is um, uh, a player uh, as well. I mean, they actually bring us projects from time to time. Um, above and beyond, and, and that is in collaboration with South Carolina Department of Commerce and Upstate Alliance. But um, because of the uh, size of Duke Energy, they run into projects that um, are power-driven from time to time that don't come through the general uh, pathways to come to a, a final location. So, you know, but we, we have good relationships with all of the allies. I mean, it, the Folks at the port are very helpful. South Carolina, uh, Palmetto Rails now uh, system, South Carolina Rail System, um, South Carolina Department of Commerce, very helpful always. All the granting agencies, uh, the Coordinating Council, and all those folks that work at the Coordinating Council, um, we we have great relationships with all those folks, and um, they're very helpful in every project we do. I mean, it's without the team effort. It's just like the team effort in, in hiring. I mean, Terry's... That's what I was going to ask you. You have a very small staff here. You want to just tell us about... You, I mean, you don't really work on a big... When you think about international economic development, you don't think about a small... Well, we... You know, over the last five years, we've announced uh, two point, almost $2.8 billion in capital investment and a total of 3,800 manufacturing jobs. Well, almost 4,000... And but those four thousand jobs spun off another six or seven thousand. So really, the creation of twelve thousand jobs or or eight or nine thousand jobs. And but Terry sits down with the human resources right, tell director. Who Terry? Yeah. Terry Gilstrap. Terry Gilstrap is our existing industries manager. Is this still record? Does that record that long? Yeah. Yeah, wow. My, kid, my phone won't do that. Uh, but anyway, uh, Terry is our existing industries manager, and, and she can tell you that setup with how she operates um, with um, all of our uh, hiring partners uh, better, much better than I can. Terry, you want to tell us how you do that? Um, with the existing industry, once we start discussing the workforce, we bring in Red ESC, which is a um, part of the South Carolina Technical College system. We bring in Department of Employment and Workforce, which is the state recruitment organization. And we sit down with the company um, and talk about what their hiring needs are um, over their projected five-year period, what their um, what type of labor they're looking for, what their job each job description of the jobs, how we're going to do that. Ready SC will then do a process that we call discovery. They'll go through 
And really, if the need is that they go to wherever that company operates, if it's a new company coming in, they'll make a trip and find out exactly what they're looking for, what their needs are. If, if it's machinery that we have experience with, if it's not, um, they'll acquire whatever knowledge is necessary to make sure that they can prepare the workforce. Some companies choose to do a pre-hire training, which is designed through Ready SC and Department of Employment and Workforce, and they recruit and look at people who apply for those jobs, both those that have experience, those that don't have experience. A lot of companies choose to use work keys, which is um, through ACT, it's a occupational skills component that allows them to know that they don't necessarily know how to do the job, but that they have the ability to learn what that company needs them to learn. And so we look at those skills that that person um, may have, and if the company wants to go through the pre-hire process, then the company becomes part of that process. They'll go through training, sometimes it's a couple of days, sometimes it's up to a week. They'll go through training off-site um, many times that has actual equipment or simulations of the type processes that they're going to be experiencing on that job. And the company will, can have an opportunity to observe those individuals. If the company, um, it's no guarantee from the employer nor from the participant if they're going to get that job nor if they're going to be accepting that job. So, um, but it gives them a taste of what that company is going to be offering as far as employment opportunities. The idea is we don't run out of, of a prepared workforce because that's always a danger when you're growing quickly that you suddenly don't have enough skilled people to do the. And, and that's a, a real situation right now. I mean, we've got to have um, more people going into manufacturing, more people with the knowledge of manufacturing, because the demand is really high right now for skilled workforce. Gone are the days that you can just work in manufacturing um, with no experience or a high school diploma. It really, the demand for people to have some type of technical training, both through the career centers or through the technical college system, is really a minimum requirement now um, for the larger manufacturers. Uh, the highest pay dictates the higher skill. Um, but one thing that, that we found is there's an available pool of labor, but the actual skills that are required are something that we're really struggling to find right now for some of our more advanced manufacturing. Um, but we're doing both this group, both RADIOC, DUE, um, we have a whole workforce collaborative that's part of it, vocational rehabilitation, adult education. We sit down on a regular basis with those partners, mental health, um, and we talk about the potential pools of labor that are out there and how we can prepare them for the jobs and the, both the existing industries that are expanding and those potential jobs that are coming in. And Walgreens is sort of the, the bragging point on bringing in multiple, per, multiple right. groups and people who, you know, with disabilities and stuff, a, a place for them to have full-time employment. Right, and, and Walgreens, I mean, they are currently hiring also. They've continued to hire since they've invested in the community. They've hired over 40%, that was their original commitment, of people with cognitive disabilities. But there's a lot of people out there that may not, may have other disabilities that other employers are willing to work with, but true Walgreens is our shining star and a national model for that. And other people have um, really tried to produce that same type of environment. But Walgreens is a wonderful example of that. 
Um, but one thing we do, we meet with those partners on a regular basis to talk about the needs of the workforce. Tri-County Tech's at the table with us. We look at what curriculums they're offering, what's happening, are we preparing that workforce? We go into the schools. We have a program that every eighth grader from three county region goes through what we call a, um, a showcase of careers. And those eighth graders go in there and they can meet with area employers, look at what their um, products are, look at how they produce products, and really get a taste of what the manufacturing environment is. Um, because in the eighth grade, they start picking what their potential graduation plan is and what areas they want to specialize in. Um, we also do that for the top seniors of the Career and Technology Center. At that event, we let the 150 top students come and sit down with the employer community and say, you know, this is the best of the best. These are the cream of the crop of people that are going into technology. And they have an opportunity to sit down with these employers and meet them because we want them to stay here. I mean, we want them to, to be employed with local industry. But we provide those events. But, um, you know, one thing that, that we need to continue to do is share that with parents and students, the manufacturing opportunities that we have here. And it's not the old textile environment. I mean, textiles is not dead by any stretch of the imagination because we've got Glen Raven, we've got um, other companies here that provide Orion rugs that are considered textile, Shamara. Um, however, it's not the old textile mills that a lot of people are familiar with. It's, it's new processes, it's clean processes. Not the dye house. It's not. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand that. And so our goal is to make sure that, that they're aware of what the new manufacturing environment looks like. You, you do, y'all are doing all this on a fairly small staff. Well, we've, because we have great partnerships with um, all of the allies that we have out there, uh, if it's from the workforce development side or if it's from the recruitment side, uh, because of those collaborations between all of those entities, we make it work. Uh, you know, if it wasn't for the help of county staff outside of this office, we, we couldn't get done what we. Well, talk about the rest of your staff, just so we can get everybody, get everybody right, a shot. Well, in, in the in the staff we have here, um, you know, there's uh, uh, Lawrence Campbell, the senior project manager. Uh, Sharon Gundrum is our uh, office manager slash research uh, person, and she spends a lot of time doing research. We have Ron Latimer, uh, who's uh, uh, been with us a little over a year, working on a year and a half, and uh, of course going through the training process. But he's a project manager. Um, work helps us with uh, recruitment, RFIs, that's requests for information that we get on every project. Sometimes there's the first RFI and then the second one asking for more detailed information. And then um, the um, we have uh, two interns uh, that work with us. Uh, they're Anderson University. Um, interns that um, Hannah Capel and uh, Jacob Oster, both of them are phenomenal and uh, uh, do a great job for us. I mean, they get, get a lot of work accomplished and uh, but assist us with those things uh, that we do and request for information or anything we do in building um, industrial directory or uh, whatever special project we may have uh, that's out there. If we were looking at recruiting some particular industry sector or we need some particular industry sector information, we'll ask them to help us research that. 
So those are those. That's the staff. Did I leave anybody out? It, then, well, Terry Gilstrap, I've already mentioned and uh, done the. Well, I'm trying to help you out here. So. But but you're, but you're, you're telling me you don't you don't need any more help. You got all the help you can need. And well, we you know it's the budget time at County Council. Now's the time to say. Well, we we could use. Uh, we also have in this office we have Innovate Anderson as well. Lisa Lovingood is the administrative assistant, um, project manager, uh, leader. Um, I, there's about 15 hats she wears and does an, an amazing job. She's a CPA, finance director. All there's a lot of, there seems to be a lot of under, misunderstanding about Innovate Anderson kind of floating around right now. Well, they, they're a, an assistant to and a uh, marketing arm for Anderson County economic development as a whole. Right. And they are made up of a number of um, local, private, uh, folks who actually make contribution to to be members of um, the organization. There are, of course, county council has membership. The, the county's uh, pays a, a, a or has a contribution uh, toward the operating as uh, functions of, of of innovate, as well as the city. Um, the county had been at forty thousand for the last several years, moving back to fifty thousand this year. Um, the city is at 50000 and then we have other private members uh, that uh, contribute anywhere from $20,000 a year to $500 a year. And But they're all folks that are interested in the development of Anderson County, economic development, anything that takes place, big or small, in our community, um, and uh, want to be supporters of that. And they actually uh, fund... Uh, indirectly into the travel that I do, uh, especially out of the country, the big trips I take. Um, even though uh, we pay for it initially through the county, then they reimburse, uh, or I request a reimbursement from Innovate for that travel. Um, so they, they pay for it ultimately uh, for the travel, and then they help us with publishing documents of all kinds. They uh, help us with memberships to some organizations of, of different kinds, uh, help pay those dues. Uh, but um, uh, support us financially uh, and with moral support, uh, encouraging us to do lots of things. Uh, one of the things that Innovate is involved in is and actually owns the property at the Advanced Material Center. And, you know, I, I think that uh, there's great opportunity there for uh, the grassroots kind of growth that you bring a company up right from seed, basically. Uh, through that kind of relationship with the university and intellectual properties that are developed into uh, some small entrepreneurial process and then ultimately into real manufacturing at some point. So, uh, but that, that's a good partnership uh, with, uh, with Innovate. Okay, so you got a good partnership, you got good stuff, but I'm going to try one more time. County's working on their budget right now. What is the Department of Economic Development? What would you like to see added to the budget to help you guys? Well, we we desperately need another project manager. Um, we've got uh, a number of projects. We probably had the most project work in the last uh, 24, 36 months that we've had in Lawrence and I's experience in economic development in the last 23 years. Uh, it really, the last 12 months was pretty hectic. Uh, we were receiving two and three requests for information a week. And um, it, it was, uh, we're very busy here. 
uh, keeping up with all those things, plus doing all the other things that we are required to do. And that's key because if somebody wants it, they need it now. They don't. They're not. Oh, yeah, they're not going to wait on you to. When, when Lars and I came to work twenty three years ago, we were here about six, eight, ten months, and the BMW project started. It's Project Pretoria, and we got got a phone call one day. I was sitting in the office. Um, minding the phone, and uh, this guy says, my name is Robert Price, I work for PHH Fantas. Uh this is called Project Pretoria, and here's what we need, and I started writing down stuff, and I had a legal pad, and I flipped over the page, and then I flipped over the next page, and uh, it, even I knew with that little bit of experience, that was a big project, and uh, anyhow, that was a odyssey that lasted for about three months where we, we courted that project uh, pretty strongly and it, 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 the demands for the project it wound up at the airport and it had to do with a lot of, a lot of that with dynamics of the competition. They were looking in Nebraska at uh, a, an abandoned Air Force base and uh, using the Air Force base to do just-in-time delivery of parts uh, for a kit plant, startup plant. And uh, we, we did the same thing the state did the same thing using the Greenville Spartanburg Airport. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's actually a taxiway that exists today between GSP and the Michelin, uh, the uh, BMW facility. It's not used, uh, but it was constructed. So we came close on that one, though. Yeah, we did. We did. And you know, way back, we lost the airport, too. That was a long time ago, too. There. Well, that's, I don't know about all that. I did. Negotiation. That's a lot of people. Roger Milliken got that one moved. Oh, yeah. At the last minute, but. Uh, so y'all could use another, because it, it, like, get back to that, another project manager because... Well, it, it, two or three things taking place. Lawrence and I are both 65, and uh, we'll be retiring uh, in sometime in the next several years. Uh, you know, I, I hate to admit it, but we all get old. And uh, the, uh, but we, we need people that come here and understand county council and understand our administrator and... Um, the, the Anderson County community and our philosophy and protocols uh, to make it a, a really a smooth transition, but a continued successful transition uh, from what Lawrence and I walk away from to what others are doing, and that we continue to have strong capital investment and strong jobs creation. Uh, without that, our, our community will die. Once we stop, the community will die, and there are communities everywhere across the state that you take a look at. They stopped recruiting or don't have a very strong manufacturing recruiting effort, and very little is happening in those communities. And, um, you know, even though uh, agriculture is great and a wonderful thing, we've got to have it. And Anderson County is either first or second agricultural county in the state of South Carolina, and that has to do with a lot of folks who raise hay, raise cattle, but they also have a full-time job in manufacturing that helps them support their agricultural habit. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, uh, our recreational hobby, <laughs> it, it, it takes money. Yeah, <laughs> it takes money to farm. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it takes the manufacturing side for us to, and the spinoffs of that manufacturing, for us to be a, con uh, to continue to be a successful community. Well, and you, you seem, you do have an administrator who understands economic development. Well, I, and he's obviously a big supporter, and that's an important key. To well, Rusty hired. He was director of economic development, planning right. and development, 23 years ago when we came here. And he hired Lawrence and I both. And um, we trained at the uh, we 
training to Peter the Master on, on economic development. <laughs> Rusty's, Rusty's a, a legend in South Carolina and a, certainly an a excellent economic development uh, professional. And um, he uh, is he is a great partner and, and uh, mentor as well. Well, not every county has that, though. I mean, there's just no, and you're right. Uh, and uh, we're we're very fortunate. Um, uh, the, the leadership we have in this community and, and, and especially in county government is pretty phenomenal. Well, what's next? What's your next big other than I guess the, the industrial park's the next thing? And... Well, we we need to start looking actually at what we would like to do for our next industrial park. And um, there, uh, you know, we want to continue to cultivate our relationship with Anderson University and Clemson University and Tri County Tech, um, and and all of those training aspects and jobs creation aspects, and, and helping us develop our workforce. And just like we need uh, somebody who knows how to weld, we need teachers, and, and it, AU provides not only that, but. CPAs and, and many other disciplines there, and of course Clemson in the engineering and all the things they have there, as well as the things I mentioned already. So um, the um, that, those relationships are um, critically important to us, and um, really critical, critically important to Anderson County and how we continue to grow and develop. All right, I think that's it. Anything else you want to say? We've covered it. Um, uh, there's nothing else I want to say. Right. I, I think I've covered it. Those folks have done a great job, uh, and if you don't haven't kept up with what they're doing, I hope you enjoy that interview. I, I enjoyed talking to them. Well, in case you miss it, the other big news this week involves our schools. South Carolina is finally moving towards a level playing field by making public school grading scale based on a 10-point scale, something most of our neighbors have been doing for a long time. Uh, this new scale is long overdue, and it starts in August. Our students will now have grade point averages on par with students in other states. Something's really important when competing for scholarships and admission. Uh, we should have gone to this 10-point grading scale a long time ago. I'm not sure what the impetus was. It would create better students having a tighter scale, but it just created lower grades. So this was a good move. Well, maybe that new grading scale will produce students that are more informed in their view of books and what books can and can't do. The National Library Association this week released the most requested banned books, which included, for the very first time, the Holy Bible. And I kind of understand on one level the fact that some people blame the Bible for everybody who claims to believe what it says, but to put it on the list with books which they won't ban, including books like Fifty Shades of Grey, is just plain silly. And really, it's just plain silly to start banning books from libraries. Suppressing ideas, which gives them free publicity and helps spread their ideology more than it does prevent anything, uh, it's just, just a bad idea. It has never worked in any society. The, the books that are banned become more popular, and they make the rounds, and people read them. Even people who would not re read a book, they read it because it was banned. I think teaching our students how to think makes a whole lot more sense than banning books. Well, speaking of books, if you garden by the book, you definitely want to take advantage of the Master Gardener sale. They're having a Master Gardener plant sale Saturday at the Anderson County Farmer's Market. Master Gardeners will be out there. You can talk to them if you have any questions. You can drop by, get some good, healthy plants because you know those folks know what they're doing. And uh, if you miss that, it won't be long till the market is open. But until that time, if you have any gardening questions or lawn questions, you can send them to askamos at andersonobserver.com. And Amos Wells will provide answers that you need for your garden or your lawn. Amos is better than Google, and so get those questions in. We've got quite a few questions already, so we can probably still get a couple more in, but I'm going to pick the best ones for Amos. Eventually, uh, these, these questions and answers will appear in print form and ask Amos in the Anderson Observer newspaper, news from people you trust. But Amos will be back with us next week. 
So join us here again on the Anderson Observer Podcast, news from people you trust. Until then, get out and do something to make Anderson a better place.